Hello, and welcome to the Clear Studies Podcast, where we're learning the word together. I am your host, Bishop A. Reginald Littman. I look forward to sharing today's teaching with you. Stay tuned. Well, hello, and what an incredible joy it is to share the Clear Studies Podcast with you. It is my great honor and privilege and joy to bring to you these insightful teachings, and I trust, hope, and pray that you are being at least half as blessed in receiving as I am in giving. Well, today we move to session 13, and we're talking about forgotten, but not forsaken, forgotten, but not forsaken. And we're going to cover a number of verses in this first part of session 13. We're moving now into Genesis chapter number 40. And our text today finds Joseph in the midst of a great trial of faith. He has been mistreated. He's been misrepresented. He's been falsely accused. He has been imprisoned. But in the midst of all of this, Joseph remained patient and he kept his testimony intact. And that truly must be our method of operation that regardless of what we go through, even when we feel forsaken and when we feel forgotten, we must keep our integrity intact. Now, he did not see himself as a victim. Rather, Joseph saw himself as a victor waiting for his liberation. Now, a brief glimpse at Joseph's life reveals the trials that he was called upon to endure. He was treated unfairly by his own brothers and sold into slavery. He became a slave in a foreign land. He was falsely accused of attempted rape and imprisoned. Through it all, he refused to be a victim. Joseph knew what the writer of Genesis records for us in Genesis 39, 21 through 23, when he kept saying the Lord was with Joseph. That truth alone made the prison bearable for Joseph. And I want to join Joseph in his prison today. His experiences there have so many needed lessons for the people of the Lord. This passage finds Joseph shut up, shut down and shut off but still serving the Lord. This passage finds Joseph in a prison of pain and suffering. In that prison, he was forgotten by many, but Joseph was not forsaken by the Lord. The path of life leads us into prison situations from time to time. We will all face hardships and trials. That is just the way of life. Sometimes we feel like we are shut up shut down and shut off too. And we feel that we are forgotten in that prison. Many times we are forgotten by those around us. Even though man may forget us in the prisons of life, the Lord never forgets us. And he refuses to forsake us while we're there. Let's join Joseph in the prison and glean the lessons that are revealed in these verses. I want to share with you about forgotten but not forsaken. And this is part one of session 13. Now Genesis 40 verse one through three reads like this. Sometime later, it so happened that the king of Egypt became angry with both his chief baker and his chief butler. So he jailed them both in prison where Joseph was in the castle of Potiphar, the captain of the guard, who was the chief executioner. 
They remained under arrest there for quite some time, and Potiphar assigned Joseph to wait on them. Again, you're going to see the hand of God at work in Joseph's life and how God always orchestrates the next move in our lives. The first principle we see in verse number one through four is prison duties, prison duties. While Joseph waits in the prison, he receives some company. Two men, former highly placed servants of Pharaoh, are thrown into the prison with Joseph. These two men are Pharaoh's butler and his baker. The butler was Pharaoh's cupbearer. When anything to eat or drink was brought before Pharaoh, the cupbearer would taste it first to make sure it was safe for Pharaoh. In other words, if anybody died from bad food or from poisoning, it would be the cupbearer and the Pharaoh would be saved. These cupbearers, by their very nature of their jobs, were close to the rulers that they served. They were so close that they had conversations, and sometimes cupbearers were privy to royal secrets. They were highly trusted servants. In some way, they were the most trusted servants in the court. The cupbearer literally held Pharaoh's life in his hand. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter number two, you'll discover that Nehemiah was the cupbearer. That's a great story to read to get insight on the closeness between the king and his servant, who was a cupbearer. The baker would have been over Pharaoh's kitchen. He was responsible for cooking the food that Pharaoh ate. He, too, would have been a trusted servant in Pharaoh's house. Apparently, there had been a problem with Pharaoh's food, and these men are in trouble. They have been cast out of their positions and find themselves locked up in prison. When these men get to prison, they receive preferential treatment. They were treated like the celebrities of our day. They even have a servant assigned to minister to their needs. Joseph is handpicked to be their servant while they are there. On the surface, this seemed to be just another assignment given to a slave in the prison. In reality, this was the providence of a sovereign God at work in Joseph's life. God had just brought Joseph face to face with the man God would later use to secure Joseph's release from prison. We should never discount the seemingly small twists and turns of this life. Some people would have said, oh, well, just another job for poor old Joseph to take care of. What no one could see was how God would use this small matter in a great way down the road. Never discount the small moves of life. What we see as a chance encounter may just be the meeting of a lifetime. What we see as an accident or as a coincidence is really God at work in your life in a great way. God orders the minute details of our lives. There are no accidents with him. Now let's move to Genesis chapter 50, verse number 5 through 19. And it reads like this in the Living Bible Translation. One night, each of them had a dream. The next morning, Joseph noticed that they looked dejected and sad. What in the world is the matter? He asked. 
And they replied, We both had dreams last night, but there is no one here to tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Tell me what you saw. The butler told his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a vine with three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon there were clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took the grapes and squeezed the juice into it and gave it to him to drink. I know what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches mean three days. Within three days, Pharaoh is going to take you out of prison and give you back your job again as his chief butler. And please have some pity on me when you are back in his favor and mention me to Pharaoh and ask him to let me out of here. For I was kidnapped from my homeland among the Hebrews. And now this, here I am in jail while I did nothing to deserve it. When the chief baker saw that the first dream had such a good meaning, he told his dream to Joseph too. In my dream, he said, There were three baskets of pastries on my head. In the top basket were all kinds of bakery goods for Pharaoh. But the birds came and ate them. The three baskets mean three days, Joseph told him. Three days from now, Pharaoh will take off your head and impale your body on a pole. And the birds will come and pick off your flesh. (laughs) Wow, what a dream to have. We move now in the second place to prison dreams. Prison dreams based on verse 5 through 19 of Genesis 40. Now, one morning, Joseph checks on his charges and they are both sad. They tell him that they have dreamed dreams and can't figure out what they mean. And when Joseph hears about them dreaming, it must have made his mind go back to his own dreams way back in Genesis 37, verse 5 through 11. His dreams, however, looked as though they had been derailed or at least delayed for the time being. Let me park here and put a dime in the meter. When it looks as if your dreams are not happening, help someone else with their dream. Now, Joseph encourages them to tell him their dreams because he knows the God who can give the interpretation. The butler tells Joseph his dream and receives a favorable interpretation in verse 9 through 13. When the baker hears that good interpretation, he tells Joseph his dream. His interpretation is not so good. But Joseph humbly tells him the truth anyway. Put yourself in Joseph's place today. He has been given a dream from the Lord. In his dream, he is going to rule someday. His dream is yet to be fulfilled. In fact, from all appearances, Joseph's dreams have all been shattered. What is Joseph to do? Well, let's look at it. What does Joseph do? Does he get angry and give up on the Lord? Does he say, I'm finished with all of this dreaming. Just leave me alone. Even though Joseph finds himself in one of the waiting rooms of life, 
he does not lose his grip on his dreams or on the God who gave them to him. In fact, Joseph is actively looking for ways to glorify God while he waits in that prison. What a lesson that is for the redeemed today. There are going to be some times along the way when it seems like God has forgotten all about you. There will be times when it seems that your dreams have been derailed too. There will be times when you find yourself in one of the waiting rooms of life. What you do there has a great deal to do with what the Lord will do for you later. Our duty in all of the prisons of life is to actively seek ways to glorify him. Our circumstances might be bad, but our God is good. We need to learn how to glorify him when the sun is shining and when the rain is falling. We need to look for ways to point others to him even through our own heart aches and breaking. If he is the God of the mountain, he is also the God of the valley. Or he is the God of neither. In 1 Kings 20, verse 22 through 29, there's a great story there that illustrates this. The Syrians thought that the God of Israel was merely a God of the hills. So you know what they did? They attacked Israel in the valley. They soon learned that God was God regardless of the terrain. And it would do the church a lot of good to learn that truth as well. He is God when dreams are on track, and he is God when they seem to have been derailed. He is God, and we need to glorify him as God in spite of what we face in life. I love 1 Thessalonians 5, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Well, hey, I hope that you got a lot out of this session today. I enjoy bringing this to you. Be sure, if you're not already connected with our E-Class, that you link up with the E-Class. Simply send an email to clearstudies at gmail.com. Again, that's clearstudies at gmail.com. And we will send you weekly PDF handouts along with links to media to help you work your way through the lesson. The handout has some great discovery questions that you can delve a bit deeper into the lesson and apply it to your everyday life. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you like, follow, and share the podcast. We look forward to sharing with you in the next episode of Clear Studies.